Welcome to the Meaningful Success Podcast, the show where we talk about how to not suck. My name is Josiah Clark, and this is my dad, Wade Clark. And uh, together we are the Meaningful Success Podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, that's it's, true. It's like the three amigos or something, but there's only two of us. <laughs> Yeah, so, Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? <laughs> Anything more to that? <laughs> no, I am. I'm doing fine. I had... Is this some... revenge for when I was a teenager? Fine. Yes. Fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <clears throat> no, it was fine. It was a good weekend. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, so extended weekend. So I got to go out and do stuff and eat lots of pie, which I said last time I like. Let me correct you on that. You said the last two times, not just last time, you said the last two times that pie was your weekly favorite. So I need to change my weekly favorite. Had you really written down no, pie I a third didn't. time? Okay. No. It's like, kind of defeats the point of it being a <laughs> weekly favorite if it's the same thing every single week. So I, I, there's something I wanted to talk about today, which uh, came from Jeff Walker's uh, product launch formula. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so if you're not familiar with, uh, with like I wasn't until very recently, um, Jeff Walker is this entrepreneur who he specializes in helping people to launch their products, uh, whether those are like courses or um, just about anything. Yeah, just about anything really uh, that you can sell online. He has this program called Product Launch Formula that kind of summarizes his whole methodology. So we kind of stumbled upon his stuff uh, recently through a referral that I got from one of my clients who uh, was really liking his stuff and thought I might find it interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been looking into that. You know, we're like you guys know, we're in the process of launching you know, this business of the podcast and even beyond that, we have, you know, the larger parent company that this podcast is under, Dream Parrot LLC, like all the stuff that we're doing together. Mm -hmm. um, it's all very young and, and, and in the process of uh, getting started. And so we signed up on the product launch formula and so far it's been really good. I've, I've uh, finished one of, there's like nine or 10 courses that are all contained within it. And I've just finished one of them and started listening to another one. The thing that, that I wanted to talk about is I am currently listening to uh, like an hour long video that's in there. And in the video, it's, it's Jeff talking with a couple of guys who are like independent authors, publishers okay. kind of thing. There's something that was mentioned in, in this hour long thing. I'm like 45 minutes in so far, which really struck me. This particular video is talking about like self-publishing, particularly from a lens of self-publishing for fiction rather than nonfiction. Okay. Because that's what these guys uh, specialized in. And they said something in there, which was if you're an independent like fiction author and you're self-publishing and whatever, they were like, you don't start making money on a series until the fifth book. No, oh, that's interesting. And uh, granted, this is something I'm sure the industry has changed somewhat because they're 
specializing in publishing online. And from what I can tell contextually, I think this webinar that I'm listening to was recorded back in like 2015. Okay. So, so seven years old. Seven years old. So that could have a big difference on compared to now, what that sure. looks like. Sure. There are changes that have taken place. I mean, just even from the standpoint of the book that I published in 2012 and, and republished recently, yeah. um, the resources, the dynamics, all those types of things have changed so dramatically in that time period. Right. And so the thing is, these guys were talking about this in terms of like, this is just a fact. Like they they have published literally scores of books. They have their own publishing company and, and they've published so many books and they, they're like, almost no one, you know, is the person who launches a book and then they're just doing this one series and from, you know, other than like Harry Potter or something. Right, unless it's at that giant level of success. Yeah. Um, y- y- those are the extreme minority. Most people that doesn't apply to, right? And and the thing that really stuck out to me about that was their comment about, you know, you're not going to make money until your fifth book, right? Mm. And of course, so this is why I wanted to talk about this. It's not so much this specific tidbit of trivia about right. self-publishing, but the idea behind it that there are uncomfortable truths or at least, um, you know, probabilities mm-hmm. in our pursuit of success which our instinct is to go, oh, well, I would be the exception to that, right? Or Mm. to disregard or to kind of wish you never knew in the first place. Like I find (laughs) myself, I I found myself going, oh man, like, because I've been working on what's going to become my first published novel for about two years, right? which is very normal from what I understand for first time authors, takes a couple years to do the first one. Mm -hmm. And so hearing like, oh my God, like, if I want to make a living from this kind of stuff, it doesn't usually start making money even until like the fifth book. Oh God, you know, like all these thoughts start coming up. Yeah. And the thing is, there's two ways you can take that. You can either go into denial. Let's assume this is really like as close to a fact as you can get with this kind of thing. Right. You can either sort of go into a denial thing or just kind of, like I said, sort of wish you didn't, you had never even heard it because it's kind of a discouraging thing to hear a little sure. bit. Or you can accept it and kind of rise to that and accommodate for it in your expectations and plans and all that. So I wanted to talk to you about this idea of uncomfortable uh, realities or truths or yeah. practicalities that we don't really want to think about, but that nevertheless will play a role in our success journey. Yes. So do you, like, off the top of your head, you know, are there things like that that you think about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of interesting uh, for our listeners. I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. So this is literally off the cuff. But when you said that, the first thing that came to mind is, you know, I, I've I've worked in, in um, you know, professional services, B2B sales for most of my career and, and, and led growth teams and that, those types of things. And there are lots of inconvenient truths that are just, Facts and or I sh- maybe I shouldn't say they're facts. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule that people can point to. Well, right, but but I think the general thing is like we c- we'll call it a fact for shorthand, but just understanding that we're talking about generalized broad ba- broad brush. Yeah, yeah. So so like for example, in the industry that I've been in, sales cycles, meaning from the time that you say, "Hey, this is a company I'd like to do business with," to the time that that you maybe get your first project, and it may be a small project with yeah. them. Fast would be months. 
Most of the time it's years yeah. because it's, it's a long-term, it's an industry where relationships are very, very central and it takes time to build those things. So the reality is it's a long sales cycle. So let's say if you're a business development executive and mm-hmm. you're coming into this, even if you are experienced in my industry, which many times people are not experienced in my industry, right? if you come on board, I don't expect a new business developer to really excel until like 18 months. It's going to be 18 months before they're they're really hitting their stride and they won't be hitting their potential for the, you know, until like year two, year three. Yeah. And, and that's just normal. And that's normal for a variety of reasons that can be inconvenient. In fact, it's, it's so inconvenient that I can remember a conversation I had with an individual at, when I was at another company and I was hiring a sales team. And around the company, I had sales professionals in different markets. And in, as it always comes about, there's certain markets that tend to be revolving doors and other ones that you have somebody in there, yeah. they're there all the time. Well, this was a revolving door market. And, and it was largely because a, a failure to be willing to accept the inconvenient truth. Not, not, not the Al Gore book, Inconvenient Truth, <laughs> just the, just this inconvenient uh, reality that yeah. the time frame. because this, this leader in this office was like, you know, I'll know in six months whether this person's going to be successful or not. Yeah. And it was like, you know, there's no one. It's is like, gonna, no, that might be more like three to five years. They could be coming in with deals in hand and it would take time to, to yeah. pr- produce. I mean, so, so it's just. There's all kinds of things that come into play in in a variety of specters that 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 is the truth. But you're right, because if you recognize that going in, even in the recruiting process, mm-hmm. I would tell people, look, I'm not expecting X for X period of time. Now, you may excel above and you may go above and beyond, but we need to set a plan for how are you going to be right where you need to be in you know, 18 months from now. Right. It does change the psyche because if you come in and without that recognition, you know, or, you know, I've, I've seen people try to put paint on, you know, dilapidated things, you know, and try to make it spruce up. And it's like, you're not giving reality. So if you come in, you know, I've been kind of accused a little bit of selling more of the thorns than the rose because sure. I tell people, Hey, here's the reality of what you're going to face. Yeah. And if things excel better, great. But otherwise, they're able to set their expectations, which is important because we can really psych ourselves out. Yeah. And I think there's also a degree of thinking ourselves unique. And that can either be in a positive or a negative way. Like I mentioned earlier, like we, we have that tendency as humans to go, oh, well, I would be the exception to this to this rule, right? Or Just tell me you can't and I'll show you I can type of deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that also can happen in reverse where we're not seeing whatever it is that we're wanting to happen, happen. And so we internalize it as there is something wrong with us or we are doing something wrong. Right. And I think having those proper expectations is probably a really important part of well, protecting against that, I guess. Well, you can see that even in children. I mean, it can be as simple as a kid starting to play a video game. It's mm-hmm. the first time they played it. And they've watched their bigger brother or sister playing it. And they, you know, they're doing all kinds of great things. And they get in, they, they think that they can do it. And they start. And they, they don't hit that level that they expect themselves to be sure. hitting at. Yeah. And then they just give up on it because they're so frustrated with themselves or they think that they're no good. And it's like, it's not realistic to even expect yourself 
to be performing at this level at this time. Yeah. So let's apply this more, like, let's take our business we're in right now. Okay. You know, the podcast, the, the books I'm working on, the books you're working on, the, uh, courses, the, the courses, the everything, right? Yeah. What are some of those inconvenient truths that maybe we, in our own success journey, you know, that, that we can talk about here or that we, maybe we haven't thought of. The inconvenient truth itself is time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you run a business on your own. That is your primary source of income. I work in a career that's my primary source of income. Mm -hmm. And those are, from a priority standpoint, that's our first commitments. Yeah. Sometimes we can fool ourselves into how much can I get done in X period of time. Yeah. And so we end up biting off, even in our expectations, more than is reasonable to chew. And so the inconvenient truth is there are capacities of our time and our attention. And it's not because it's not realistic because in those, in those grandiose thoughts, you say, oh, well, gee, but I can get this done and this gun and this gun because you're thinking solely of the task. Yeah. But you're not thinking of, well, I've got my family commitments and I've got my work commitments and I've got my exercise commitments and I want to go out and have fun some. And, you yeah, know, yeah. occasionally I need to gel, uh, you know, just veg gel out. out, veg out and do nothing, yeah. you know? And so that would be one inconvenient truth. that I think that we all have to recognize and plan around. I think uh, a little more of a granular one is we've talked about this, I think in the podcast before, but neither of us are marketing, marketing people. Like we don't right. know, we don't know marketing. That is not our expertise, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is that to do the things we want to do, we are going to have to either become that and do the hard work of learning how, or we're going to have to invest resources, time and money into someone who does know Correct. In order to make these things successful, because that because that's the bottom line is it's we're just not going to see, you know, obviously we've talked about this before. Meaningful success is more than just numbers, right? Oh, it's absolutely. more than dollars. It's more than. But when we're talking about just very practical, trying to grow a business, the numbers do matter when you're when you're focused on that part of your goal. Yes. And so in order to make that happen with these kind of things we're doing, marketing is just a must. Well, it is. And marketing is not the only thing that th this category would fall, but let's use that as an example. Um, yeah. The reality is we have a tendency to confuse capability or, you know, our learning capability mm -hmm. with what is best. There's some things that are, are important for us to develop that skill in and of themselves. So for me, my, myself, for example, the process of writing books. Yeah. I can't hand that off. Yeah. I, I mean, now there's pieces of it. I mean, I can use an editor and I can, which I do, and I can use things like that, but the process of writing books in a way that is efficient and effective for me and everybody writes differently. Yeah. But to find and discover and take the time to develop that skill that's worthy of my investment. However, my degree was in marketing. I mean, here we are talking about that that we don't have marketing expertise. My degree was in marketing. Now, yeah. granted, it was a long time ago, you know, back when the Stone Ages or whatever. Back when marketing was done on billboards hung across brontosauruses. <laughs> my career has been spent within sales and marketing departments within the industry that I'm in. Yeah. Granted, I'm on the sales side more than the marketing side, but I'm 
I'm in marketing conversations on a daily basis, but I'm in a sphere. I'm in a B2B sphere. I'm in a professional yeah. services sphere that is a totally different discipline, tools, Way approach, thinking. strategy, thinking. But yet I my degree is that. So I so one logic would be saying, oh, you've got a marketing degree. Oh, you can understand this. You could build that skill set yourself. Right. But is that the best use of my time? We just talked about there's there's multiple truths that intersect here. Yeah. And time is a major one. So is it wiser for me to take the time to learn those things mm -hmm. or invest in someone who has made that their career path? I think the inconvenient truth is recognizing that sometimes as it was, it can be practical at home too. I mean, you're moving. Mm -hmm. Can't Do you pack the boxes, load the truck, rent the truck, drive, drive the, the truck, truck across the country. Yeah. And, you know, and we've done that too many times because, well, well, look, I mean, it saves me so much money. And true, it does. However, we have to recognize that there is a value to the time that you're spending, both in exhaustion and mental energies and, yeah. and such. And the investment is necessary. We're starting to touch more on the personal side of, you know, just non, non-career-ish, I guess. Right. Um, so what's another, what would another inconvenient truth, maybe, maybe something like, you know, with weight loss, as an example, there's an inconvenient truth that- You can't eat pie every day at every meal. <laughs> yes, that's true. And you can't have it be your favorite thing every week. But, <laughs> but- uh, that, you know, as humans weight, what the number on the scale is, it fluctuates naturally, yes. just naturally, regardless of health level. Like there's going to be times you're a few pounds heavier, times yep. you're a few pounds lighter, just cause that's what your body does. And so having that expectation shields you against the disappointment and self-shame and all that kind of stuff that may come when you see, oh, I'm working so hard, but I've gained two or three pounds. Yeah. And recognizing, hey, okay, there's an inconvenient truth. Do I wish it wasn't the case? Sure. I wish that I would just, you know, do nothing but lose weight as when that's what I want to do, right? Well, but there, there's also the the recognition, the inconvenient truth that we do not see all factors. Yeah. I was having a conversation with Audrey the other day about that because, you know, I've been working on some, some doing some new workouts and some different ways of eating and that, that type of thing. And tracking things in my app and such. And I, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I gained two pounds. Yeah. And one of the things that she brought up is she goes, well, that's true, but you're not, you know, the scale doesn't show body composition. It doesn't tell you, oh, gee, your fat went down this much and your muscle went up this much. Right. And so you're, yes, I mean, overall weight, but is weight really the right measure? And so sometimes that inconvenient truth is we don't see all the pieces of the puzzle that fit together to tell the story. So what do you do? I'm coming off of, like I said, I'm coming off of listening to listening to this hour long thing. And so this, this, this bombshell has just dropped on me, so to speak. I'm dealing now with a revelation from people who know what they're talking about. Yes. That is an uncomfortable truth, an uncomfortable probability that the you're not going to see you're not going to really start seeing any money on a series with the assumption that series is actually selling by the way until like the fifth installment right right and here i am you know i'm like 90% of the way done 
toward publishing my first book. So what do you do with the discouragement, all the stuff that comes up emotionally, the feel, because it, it can feel like, not like what's the point then, but almost it just sort of shifts everything to such a degree where it's like, oh God, like, you know, my first book is like close to 200,000 words. And it's like, oh, so four times the work I've just done, I have to do all, you know. Well, I think that, I think there's a few things. One is we have to recognize that what they're talking about is, is achieving a certain level of performance that they've deemed is successful. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there's been no results. It doesn't yeah. mean like they've, they've put out book one, zero sales, book two, zero sales, book three, zero yeah, and sales. And then book, five, book five is a million sales or yeah, something. Yeah. That's not what happened. <laughs> what happened is that one thing is that they probably have in their mind, what is that level where they're talking about? Yeah. What the threshold that is. That threshold for that they're wanting to see. So we are, we have to recognize the progress that we gain on each installment. And that's, yeah. that's really critical and appreciate those. Another thing is we have to recognize that we can sometimes be blocks in ourselves because this may be a personality trait, but they're, you know, particularly on creative work. Yeah. Perfectionism is your enemy because it doesn't mean that you don't want to put out a good quality product. That's not what I'm saying. Sure. But there are times that we can so pick things apart and rewrite and re-edit and redo this and rethink and reapproach yeah. that we don't get one product out and then another product out is, you know, I can think of a few examples of that. And one would be, I remember hearing, uh, I've watched a lot of things with songwriters and they're like, you know, people say that they're a songwriter and you ask them how many songs they've written. They said, well, I've written about five or eight. And they're like, you're not a songwriter. Right. You know, a songwriter is writing songs every day. So if you've been a songwriter for, you know, how long have you been a songwriter? Oh, about three or four years. Well, then you should probably have a thousand songs out there, Yeah. you know, or, or you know, hundreds of songs, not, not six or a dozen. Yeah. And what happens is people get so hung up on that one that they, they're not producing. And some of the most successful businesses that I've been a part of or that I've been affiliated with um, have been companies that realize, you know, certain projects and certain things that we're doing, we need to get to that 80, 90% range of quality and get it out and move forward. Yeah. Because that last 10% can take us as long as that first 90%. Yeah, Absolutely. And so we slow our progress because we get so hung up on on those things. So that's two things that I think. One is recognizing the progress, but two is allowing yourself to progress by actually putting things into the marketplace. Yeah. Well, this is something that I think I know I'm going to want to talk about more in the future, especially as we continue going through these product launch formula courses and things like that and getting right. more information the things that we don't think about when we're thinking about success, the realities that we have to come to terms with, or we're going to be disappointed in one right. way or another. And in some cases, people get so disappointed that they give up on it. Yeah. And that is, we want to encourage you not to do that. We want to, help, you know, these are bumps in the road. Yeah. They're yeah. not brick walls that you can't go through. Yeah. So what are you guys's who are listening? What are your inconvenient truths that you have had to face in your success journey, whether that's in a personal success journey or your career or whatever that may look like, all of it is your success journey to meaningful success. If you want to let us know about that, you can either shoot us an email at contact at dreamparrot.com 
speakpipe.com. You can also leave us a digital voicemail at speakpipe.com slash MSP and potentially be featured in a future episode uh, with your recording. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, let us know what are your inconvenient truths of your success journey? What are the things that, you know, those bombshells that go off and you're like, oh God, really? Like, (laughs) is that really true? Oh no. Let us know. And, and we'd love to hear from you. But for the moment, Father. Yes, Josiah. What is your weekly favorite this week? That is not pie. Oh, it's the weekly favorite. Well, speaking of inconvenient truths, it's going to lead into my weekly favorite. But the inconvenient truth is we, we gave up, you know, cable TV a long time ago. We yeah. used Netflix and all those kind of things. And um, the... Um, Inconvenient truth is I was used to watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but it's the good one is only on cable TV. Right. I, you can get it on like YouTube and all these other places, but it's like you, it's like somebody's cousin Chuck has put a camera on their kid's shoulder and they're filming the parade from the sidelines. They, they don't have any sort of official stream of that? Well, they they do. I mean, I watched a few streams, but literally it was like... I mean, you're not seeing any of the performances. You're not seeing anything. You're just seeing floats drive drive by and people yelling. I'm surprised they don't have like, I don't know, like almost a pay per view style thing of like, hey, five bucks and well, they they may, but I've I've looked for it and I haven't found it. So that's so strange. Anyways, but that the reason is it leads to my weekly favorite, which is the kickoff of Christmas because I did watch a version of the parade and. uh, got to watch my first Christmas uh, movie for the for the season, which was Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, and uh, we started Christmas shopping this weekend, so that's my weekly favorite. I love Christmas time of year. Oh, great! What'd you get me? Oh, great! <laughs> You're so excited. <laughs> oh, great! Oh, great. Yeah, great. My weekly favorite. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a leaf out of your book, and it is a it is a sweet treat. That no, no. Uh, so if you know us personally, you'll be aware of this, but my dad makes chocolate chip cookies that are amazing and he has made a batch and hopefully many more batches. They're you're in the gonna, you're, you're going to make more tonight, right? Well, there's a bunch in the freezer. But you're going to make more tonight, right? That means pop them in the oven. <laughs> okay. That means, that means text mom to start preheating the oven. No, um, no not literally. <laughs> But uh, his cookies are amazing. And, and you know, we used to have them like all the time. Um, but, you know, for the sake of our health, we don't do that anymore. And so when we have those cookies, when he makes his cookies, it's it's a rare and wonderful occasion. So he's he has made cookies and they're great. And I'm really it's been really nice to be able to eat them. And that's the, uh, that's my weekly favorite. So <laughs> my, my chocolate chip cookies. I actually was, I had an opportunity to use those as payment for services. I was going to, somebody helped uh, our family with some big job and we were. Yeah. He refused money. He refused money. He wanted monthly chocolate Installments chips. of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, give me six months of cookies. <laughs> like every, every couple weeks, give me a batch of cookies. So I'm walking down the street with my plate of cookies. So. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you want to support the show, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash meaningful success podcast. Uh, you can get some exclusive episodes there. And we are actively working on developing 
uh, additional perks and, and content and things like that for that platform. And until next week. Thanks a lot. Love you, Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's the pause. It's the pause as though for approval. It's the thanks a lot. Waits, waits, waits. Love you. <laughs> this is new for me. I mean, we're on our 11th episode, so it's got to be less new. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I love you too, Dad. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. The Meaningful Success Podcast is myself, Josiah Clark, and my father, Wade Clark. That's me. That's him. If you want to learn more, you can check out our website at MeaningfulSuccessPodcast.com, where you can also submit a request to be a guest on the show in the future. Leave us your digital voicemail at SpeakPipe.com slash MSP, or financially support the show in exchange for some cool perks at Patreon.com slash MeaningfulSuccessPodcast. Until next week... I, I love you on a deep and personal level, and I see what you're wearing, and I think you look good. Yeah.